This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. We are going to be in 1 John chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 3. We're not going to start there. We're going to start in John 13 and uh, look at the teaching of Jesus before we jump there. But uh, we're in this series, if you're new to our church, we're going through First uh, John, looking at the assurance of our salvation. Today we're talking about love for one another, and, and that's believers in Christ Jesus, the love we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. Next week we're in chapter 4, where we look at the source of love. God is love, and we know and rely on the love God has for us. But we're going through this series as believers so that you may know that you would have assurance of your salvation. Today as we talk about love, this is a word that's thrown around often, but we want to understand it this week and next week according to the scripture. And you've maybe been to a concert or a sporting activity and someone gives the heart sign. You don't know who that is. I'm just showing the picture. I tried to edit it. Because you'll hear it often said, love one another. And it, it's kind of just like, like all human beings love one another. When we read love one another today and in the scripture, it's believers in Christ Jesus and the love we are to have for one another because of the love Jesus has for us. That is our source. And I know when we talk about love, there are some of you that this is a difficult conversation. I'll be honest with you. I still laugh every now and then. Uh, that the Lord has called me to speak so much on marriage, relationships, and love because this wasn't my forte in high school or in my childhood. I remember getting back uh, from college, Christmas break, and those were the days in the 90s you had to go to a post office to get your mail. And my roommate and I, Jamie Hall, we went to the post office. We were back to school maybe two weeks after Christmas break, and we're getting our mail out and I opened this letter from a girl back home. It's like four-page handwritten letter. And Jamie goes, what's that? I said, it's from a girl, and, and she's breaking up with me. He goes, you didn't tell me you were dating. I said, I didn't know we were dating. <laughs> like, this was news to me, too. And she just broke my heart. So when I think about that the Lord has asked me to share and encourage couples, I have to laugh at times. But I know when we talk about this, for some of you, there's a lot of, of hurt and heartache when it comes to this. You've been through a bad breakup. You've been through a divorce that uh, tore your heart out. And I, I want I to start by encouraging you because you know this. You, you, some of you, when, when you've been hurt in a relationship, you can begin to close your heart and you can say, not for me. No more. I'm never going to be hurt again. And I want to start with this quote from C.S. Lewis in The Four Loves. He says this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. When we talk about love, you have to open yourself up. And guess what? People are going to hurt you. People are going to say things to offend you. People are not always going to treat your heart well. And, and this isn't a message today on, on boundaries and, and how to care for your heart. That's not really the message. The message is just understanding when we love, there is always the potential to be hurt. And he says it's, it's vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully 
round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. I mean, what? I mean, some of you did not see that quote going in that direction. You were thinking of more of a pastoral tone and caring for the heart. But we know that when we talk about loving one another in the church, in the body of Christ, in the family of God, this is, this is a vulnerable conversation. So I want to start with the love quiz. Again, no flashlights. We don't need you to share this with everyone. This is between you and the Lord. A quick love quiz. Let's take it. Number one, have you forgiven the person that hurt you in your last church? I know a lot of people are here recovering from church hurt, and I get that. We've all experienced church hurt at some point. We've all been part of giving church hurt at some point. Number two, just five questions. Are you avoiding someone in this church because they annoy you? Let's be honest, you're in this gathering because they're at 8.15. You see them coming, you go the other way. Number three, when you disagree with another believer on a non-essential issue, do you keep arguing, stiff-arm them, drop it, or question their salvation? Number four, Have you ever withheld from taking the Lord's Supper because you were in a fight with another believer and you know you needed to make it right first? I hear that story countless times here in this church. Someone that withheld from taking the Lord's Supper because they knew they had to have a conversation after church. Number five, this has happened as well in our church. Have you ever left in the middle of worship to go and be reconciled to a brother or sister in Christ? We encourage that here. We've heard the stories. We've heard the stories of someone here angry, frustrated, harboring bitterness, resentment, got in a fight, and they have actually, in the middle of lifting their praises, they did exactly what Jesus tells us to do, settle matters quickly. And they got up and they left, and they drove to a church across town, and they found the person. And they said, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? As we look at this today, we we understand today when we talk about love one another, when you hear an artist say love one another or an entertainer say one another, they're typically just speaking of just everybody there. Lost, believers, they're just speaking of human beings loving human beings. When we read love one another, in all the one another texts that we have in the scripture today that we'll end with today, we are talking about brothers and sisters in Christ and the love we have for one another because of the love Jesus has for us, displayed for us. So, but outside of the church, what do we got? Love your neighbor. These are people that are close to you in your everyday, ordinary walk around life. People who are different than you, people who are the same as you, people who don't look like you, people who look like you, people who don't talk like you, people who do talk like you, people who don't vote like you, people who do vote like you, and you're like, (laughs) they can be very difficult people, not just different, but difficult And everybody in here, when you see the term neighbor, you're thinking, but I got this one neighbor. And everybody in here has that one neighbor. As Lee Bryce sings, hard to love, hard to love. Oh, they don't make it easy. Well, Jesus doesn't stop there. We're also called to love our enemies. 
Those who persecute you, we bless them. And so we're going to start in John 13 and look at the words of Jesus. He said, the new command I give you, love one another. Speaking here to the disciples. If I have loved, as I have loved you, you must love one another. So here's where we start today. As I have loved you. Hey, guys, I've shown you the way. This, th- think about this. Jesus is saying this to a group where one in the group just betrayed him. One in the group he knows is betraying him. He says, you've seen me love you. Now I want you to love each other with this same kind of love. And by this, everyone will know. Well, we're in a series where we're talking to believers, looking at 1 John, so that you will know that you are saved, that you will have assurance of your salvation. When we love one another, it's not just so that you know, right? But it says that the world will know. Jesus said the world will know and will see this. Can you imagine being a part of a church or in a community where believers love each other so well? And people are going, I want to be a part of that. I've not experienced that. I didn't experience that in my last marriage. I didn't experience that in my family. I didn't experience that with parents growing up. I've been to job after job after, and I've just, all I've experienced is heartache. But when I go to that place with that gathering of believers, they actually love each other. If you're here today new, and this Super Bowl thing is like, like you're, you're a little jarred by the whole thing, we enjoy one. We don't just love one another. We enjoy being together. We enjoy having fellowship together. This, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We're not gathered here today around the, you know, team chiefs or team, I'm trying to remember, 49ers, I have to remember. I'm such a sports guy. I'll find out who's playing later on around 530. Uh, You're like, you didn't buy that hoodie, did you? No, I did not. Uh, We're here for team Jesus. He has loved us. And now we take that, Jesus as our source, and love one another. Jesus never said, you'll be known as my disciples by the way you spew your opinions. But we love to do that. We're like, I just, I vent on here enough on this, whatever online, I'll just vent enough, and eventually someone will be convinced and give their life to Jesus. Jesus never said, you'll be known as my disciples by the way you love those who agree with you. And you understand, we know this from Scripture, there's no reward in loving easy-to-love people. There's no reward in that. that it's easy to love people or easy to love. What, what, but are you loving those who are difficult to love? One author puts it this way, our love for one another is a mark of a Christian. So understand, when we talk about our position in Christ, your position in Christ is secure. If you have... Uh, cried out to Jesus, you place faith alone in Christ alone, and you are a born-again believer, your position is you are a child of God. Abiding in Christ, as we're going to see today, means we continue to grow and learn as we stay connected to the true and only source, and you're going to see that all throughout the text today. So let's jump into 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 11. For this is the message, John says, you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And we're going to see this as an evidence of, not the source of, our salvation. Jesus is the source of our salvation. The way we love one another is the overflow of that salvation. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one. So now we're going to go back and get this Old Testament illustration He is a murderer. He belonged to the evil one. He was of his father, the devil, 
and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Abel was a child of God. Now, when, when we talk about anger and hatred among brothers, and, and then we talk about our love for one another, and, and think about that the illustration in there is murder. And, and, and I'm, you probably never thought about someone you can't stand not making it another day on planet Earth. You're like, Ted, I am, I've never had that thought. Huh. Hmm. I, I think it gets to all of us at some point. But, you know, my mentor, Dr. Gary Smalley, he taught me so well over the years, not just by discipling me and opening the Bible and teaching me, but by living it out. And he years ago had a critic that came after him, and it was ugly. He took like three sentences from Gary's book, started writing about it, slandering him, calling him a heretic, wrote about it in the Baptist News in Missouri, and, and I was ready for what's the term? War. I was 35 maybe at the time, and I'm like, let's get him. And I go, what do you think, Gary? He goes, I'm inviting him down for lunch to Branson. Oh, I'll take him to lunch. Can we eat on Taney Como, please? At a deep part of Taney Como. That's where my heart was. And you're, you, I love it. Everybody in here acts like, Ted, I've been so, so transformed by Jesus, I would never have that. You've, I've been around the Ozarks, and I've looked at the beauty of the Ozarks going, man, we got a lot of great places to bury bodies around this place. <laughs> have you ever had that level of anger towards someone? I was taking up an offense for my brother. And I watch this guy come to town, and he starts going at Gary. And I'm just like, oh, let me at him. And Gary's sitting over there, just loved, oh, that's a good. Gary's taking notes. Oh, ho, ho, ho. And Gary's speaking kindness. And guess what? Gary didn't sway this guy. This guy didn't change. He left, and I said, that wasn't, why did we waste our time? Gary made me go to the meeting. I said, why did we, I don't know if Gary brought this guy down for me. Because Gary, Gary was fine. But Gary said, Ted, you've you, you got to learn this, that how someone responds to what you do, that's not your source. How someone receives something or doesn't receive it doesn't determine what you do. You always do the right thing. This man is a brother in Christ Jesus, and I am going to strive to not just try to get along with him, but to love him. And I remember Gary's like, you got some work to do. And don't we all? Oh, yeah, you're so, you go. Don't we all? Yes, you're all acting like, I would never. I have such good thoughts towards people all the time. To, why did he murder? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Verse 13, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We looked at this a lot last week, right? The world and its values and its attitudes, they go opposite of what Jesus is calling us to. John said, don't be surprised when this happens. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not remains in death and still embraces that way of thinking. John says, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. The bottom line, if, and, and this is what Jesus taught in John and what John's teaching here in 1 John. If you can't find it in your heart to love someone, you have a source problem, not a people problem. 
That's exactly what Gary was trying to teach me. My issue wasn't that guy. My issue was my heart. He's not my source. You want to know what the most miserable marriage on the planet is? A husband and wife connected to each other as a source of life. This is a recipe for disaster. You want to know what the best marriage on the planet is? A husband and wife firing each other as a source of life, plugging into the true and only source of life, and then spending their days giving each other the overflow. That's a great marriage. You want to know what an exhausting, draining family is? It's a parent connected to a child as the source of life or connecting their child to them as the source of life. That will drain the life out of your home. Your, your job, mom and dad, is not to connect your kid to you as the source of life. Your job, according to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this is a core value of our church, we say it all the time. From the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to sleep at night, as you sit at home and as you walk along the way, your job, my job, is to point our children to the true and only source of life. But we have fallen for this faulty input-output theory of parenting that says whatever I pour into my child is what I will get out of my child. And the Hebrew term for that is, ha! It's, it's not true. Fire your child today as the source of life and plug into the true and only source of life. And point your child to the true and only source of life. Your parents, they're not your source of life. Your ex-husband, your ex-wife, not your source of life. Your work, your bank account, it's not your source of life. We say it in our home all the time. My source of life is Jesus, not you. And by the way, all these people that we plug into, they're limited supplies. When you plug into limited supply, it makes you desperate, makes you clingy. And that's why you cling even more, because you're wanting something from them that only God gives. We know and rely on the love he has for us. So plug in, and he has unlimited free refills. If you're having a hard time loving this way, check out this connection right here. Keep going in verses 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. He's our model. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So it's easy at a concert to do this. right? It's easy at a sporting event to hold up John 3.16. It's easy for us to say, I love you, but what John's going to say is you need to not only just say these things and not only just speak these things, you need to actually do it. Like you have to live this out. Christ laid down his life. For, and let me get this example in verse 17. If anyone has material possessions, resources, and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? And this is why we take benevolence and, and care for one another at this church very seriously. If there's someone in here in need... We want to help meet that physical need. Every time we say that, there are people who go, we're going to get taken advantage of. I can tell you, in 22 years of ministry at Woodland Hills, people have taken advantage of us. Do we close our hearts and shut down the checkbook and stop giving and help? No. People are going to not use the money or the resources we give for their intended purpose or the reason they tell us they're going to do it, but we don't shut that down. We do our best to make sure we're caring for people in a healthy way, but we'll... Just like in any relationship, the relationship in the church, people can take advantage of us. But we continue to give. Why? Because he says in verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words and speech. Someone comes in here today, part of our church family, homeless, is trying to find a place to live, needs something to eat, they need something to wear. And if we look at them and be like, how'd you get in this situation? We got to fix this. Now, that's part of discipleship. And yes, that will come. But our first response would be, we are here to care for you, my brother, my sister in Christ. We want to care for you. We want to meet that need. We're not just going to talk about it. Go out. Hey, by the way, when you leave, we're going to pray for you. 
No, we're actually going to do something about it. If we have the resources, and we do, right? We're going to do this with actions and in truth. This is something we're actually supposed to grow in. Look what Paul says in Romans. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. In other words, you don't ever get to a point in a relationship where you say, I have loved this person enough. And in the church, they've taken advantage of that. They never brought it back. This is, you never stop loving. We, one way to say it, another way to say it, Wayne Hudson says, love is a commitment with a beginning and no end. Paul goes on in 1 Thessalonians to say this, chapter 3, verse 12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. So not only do we never stop loving, we should be getting better at this. The older you get, let me just say this to my senior friends in here, you should be expert lovers. You know what I'm saying. Like, honestly, have you ever met an, an old, grumpy person? Have you ever met that? It shouldn't be happening in the church. Our seniors around here should be leading the younger and the next generations along in this idea of love. It's increasing. It's growing. I've been upon planet Earth for 70, 80 years, and the Lord has taught me so much about how he loves me, and I can't help but love other people that way. We should be increasing in this. So here are some myths we want to clear up as we close out our time. This is a myth about love. I love you, but I don't have to like you. That's so weird. I know God calls me to love you, but I want nothing to do with you. You're going to have a hard time finding that scripture. Again, I'm not talking about boundaries. Boundaries are important. They, they are healthy, and we can talk about that another day. But the idea of loving, and it's just kind of weird. How about this one? If I love Jesus, then loving you should be easy. It should be easy. Or how about better than that? If, if we love Jesus, meaning I love Jesus and I'm committed to him and I'm growing in my relationship with him, and you love Jesus and you're committed to him and you're growing in your relationship with him, then, then us getting along should be automatic. Why do we have so many one another, one another passages in the New Testament? Some scholars would tell you there's 50 to 52. Others put it up over 60, depending on how you categorize it. And, and we're going to do something a little bit different as we close out our time. We're not going to get through all of them. We didn't in the first gathering. But we're just going to run through them because this is part of discipleship. If you're going to love one another, this is something we have to be intentional with. These are decisions that we have to make every day. If it was easy and automatic, we wouldn't need believers to have all of these one another passages that we get in the New Testament. Let's look at some of them as we close out. Paul says, outdo one another in showing honor. So part of loving one another is that you esteem each other as highly valuable, that we speak words of high value over one another. 2 Corinthians 13, 12, greet one another with a holy kiss. We're not going to get goofy and start that, but you understand the greeting part. Not avoiding, but actually greeting. Hey, glad you're here. And that's why I, I tell you this all the time. One of my favorite Sundays, my favorite Sundays at Woodland Hills are when I'm not teaching or preaching and I just get to say hi to people. There's no outline, outline in my head. I don't have to think about message notes. I can just greet. That that would be a love that's overflowing in you. 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Why do we have to add without grumbling? Because when we show hospitality, which we try hard in this church to do, we want everybody leaving going, boy, I matter to God and I matter to them. 
And there are times you're going to serve. Hundreds of people serving at this church. You just poured your life into this small child. And the parents picking up the child may have attitude. There may be something going on in the marriage you don't know about. And when you hand the child off, your first thought walking away with... <laughs> you know what grumbling is? This is complaining under your breath. We do it all the time with each other. So Peter says, what? Show hospitality. Make other people feel important. Serve them and do it without grumbling. And we'll always have a reason to grumble. We'll always have a reason to be frustrated with each other. 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Adam covered this, that we, we're together enjoying one another's company and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, agree with one another. How about that? Try finding common ground in your next conversation with the believer rather than all the points you disagree on. Live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with you. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Just say a nice word. Kind words are like honeycomb, right? Be sweet with each other. Some of you are like, can, oh, can we wrap this up? You got a minute and 35 seconds. <laughs> Why do we have all of this if loving one another is easy and automatic? It's not easy and automatic, and it requires us to understand what the Scripture teaches and be intentional with its application every day if we're going to love one another. How about this? goes on in that verse. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. In other words, Jesus is my source of life, okay? He is also my source of forgiveness. If you're having a hard time forgiving another believer in Christ Jesus, you don't have a spouse problem or a people problem. You have a source problem. Plug into the true and only source and understand how much you have been forgiven. Read the parable of the unmerciful servant who was forgiven a multi, multi-million dollar debt, goes out and finds someone who owes him a couple of bucks. And doesn't return the favor. Ephesians 4, 2 and 3. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. You understand that's what it takes to be a church family. We have to bear with each other. Like, oh, again with that. We're bearing it. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I love this, and I'll end with this one because we're out of time. There's like a lot more. Katie, I said we're ending with that one. <laughs> She's like pushing me on that one. So uh, <laughs> Galatians 6.2, she was flying through, and I couldn't keep up with her. She's like, come on, Ted, you got a minute and a half, and now we got no time. Let's pray. No, I want to say something about this real fast. <laughs> you know what the church is? You're carrying a heavy burden today. Here's what it means to love one another that Paul talks about in Galatians. So we use this in counseling all the time. As a believer, my job... And this is how we fulfill the law of Christ. And those around you is to come alongside you and help carry that burden. And so now both of us are carrying your burden and it makes it a little bit lighter on you. But what happens all the time is we step in, help someone carry their burden. And on this, they're like, oh, you're here. And they drop their end. That's why in verse 5 of that same chapter, you read, each must carry their own load. And that's what it means to be the body of Christ. Love for one another. Would you pray with me? Father, we scratched the surface uh, in your word today with all of these great one another texts. May we meditate on them this week. May we look them up this week and, and convict us 
And that we would practice, again, one we didn't get to, confessing our sins to one another. Saying, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? May we display such a radical love that is deep, that is caring, that is enduring, that is carrying one another's burdens uh, in such a way that the world looks in and goes, that is what I've been looking for, and that's what I've not experienced. And the only, the only reason we have is because of the love, the great love that you have lavished on us, and for that we're grateful. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation. That they would confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in their heart he's been raised from the dead. That they would repent of their sins and the way they've wanted to live. That's brought them train wreck after train wreck after train wreck. That they would just confess that today and plug into you as the true and only source of life. We pray all this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said.